I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. What recommendations would you give salon leaders to really be clear about the expectations? Sure. Um, that's a really great question. And I think number one, the salon owner understanding their own expectations. Um, and you know, I, I say that because we see it more often than not, um, that their motivator or their goal that they project it onto all of their employees, you know, they're motivated by money. So they expect that all of their, their employees are motivated by money. That's not necessarily true. Um, but going back to onboarding Tina, really being able to clearly explain the culture of your business to clearly explain how you'll be held accountable to the goals and what those goals are. Um, and then to clearly understand what the goals and objectives of your employee really is, uh, or really are, you know, the industry itself is more competitive than ever. And, you know, I, and I, when it comes to the salons, I think we're in a really interesting time where there's those salons that have operated maybe generationally, right? They've been around for a really long time or, or older salon owners um, that have done a really great job and, and maintained a really great business for a long time. Um, that day is no longer. Things have changed and it's a digital era uh, where, you know, not only are your talents and your skills, you can be the best hairdresser in the world, right? But if you don't have the emotional intelligence, if you don't have the marketing prowess, uh, to be successful in the industry, you won't make it today. Uh, and so understanding generationally, things are very, very different. The, the, the digital era versus the non-digital era makes the industry very different. Uh, but setting those expectations for your stylist early on, and we could go into a checklist of what those things are, but your, you know, your expectations, not only for sales, but your expectations for how they adapt to the culture of your salon and the role that they'll play on the team. Every single, every single player on a team has a job, right? So we're not just trying to hire 10 of the same people, like right? this is your unique role and holding them accountable to that specific position. Yeah. I love that you said that. And, you know, I want to go back to, you know, describing your culture because I think most uh, leaders do not spend enough time on this, Stephanie. It took me a long time to figure out what my culture was going to be. And the first time that I ran a salon, that was my mistake that I made. And that's why I had a salon walkout. And then the second time we had a salon walkout, we didn't have a written down culture. And then as soon as they walked out, Brianna and I said, you know what, let's develop a really strong culture that's true to us. And then we can bring on people that, you know, fit that culture, just like you said. And so I love that. And and so with that foundation that's happening and so you know like let's say that somebody says they're motivated by money okay sure. but i always 
what I do, Stephanie, is I always challenge them to that because here's the deal. I don't think it's money. I think it's something that money provides for you. So let's get to the true root of what is money truly provide. Maybe it's helping to provide a better life. You know, I've heard of people say they want to buy a home for their mom. And so they're like, you know what? It's family. It's family first. And so that's what, you know, my culture truly is. So help people find their culture. You know, how do they find their core values? What do you do to walk people through that? I know you've been a consultant as well. Sure. Absolutely. And it's the foundation. So I, you know, this is probably the most important exercise. And Tina, you just explained it so beautifully between how one one version of your business started without it and what happened and the next version of your business started with it and look at where you are today right um but establishing who you're who you are and not necessarily who the people around you that may be influencing you are and that's hard people to be really introspective and for people honestly to be that self-aware um, you know, I think that the vast majority of people, that's what's wrong, right? We, we lack self-awareness, right? But to be honest with yourself, um, I, I honor and value you, Tina, and you and I are very different in a lot of ways. And the way that I would describe the culture of my business is going to be different than yours. Now I could write down everything that you've done and try and mimic your business because I know it's successful, but it wouldn't work for me. And so really taking the time to step back and look at what are your influencers? What motivates you every day? When you when, think about the, the best place you've ever worked, what was it about that place that made you want to be there? Uh, you know, I asked my daughter that yeah. she works in a salon right now, and I asked her why she loves being there. And she said, it's like a family. And I, my daughter values family more than anything, you know, like proud mom moment over here, but she values family over anything. Um, but when I was her age, I didn't, I didn't have money and I didn't have that support. So for me, it would have been the paycheck, right? But for Mia, it's not about the paycheck. It's about how she feels. Um, but making sure that, that what you are creating for everyone, that the expectation is clearly communicated. Um, again, I feel like there's like a checklist for that. Um, when you close your eyes and you imagine that environment, what does it look like? What does it sound like when you walk in every day? Um, and so I think if people can really pause, um, kind of tune out the noise and get really honest with themselves, um, putting pen to paper, I think they would see some really powerful things come out of themselves. That's so cool. You know, that is uh, one of our core values is being self-aware too. And, we call it <laughs> smart. and I love that you said that because it's like really knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And so that is one of our core values because we, we want to be able to have permission to help you find your strengths. We want to have permission to help you find your weaknesses to work on those. And so, but we can't do that unless we first get permission first, right? And so I love that you talked about that. And I love that you're talking about in emotional intelligence because I think that's kind of like one of those words we kind of just throw out there, right? And so we, we've talked about, Brianna, my daughter and I, about one of the unrealistic expectations is, is emotional intelligence. And so we really dive deep into that. So, and I know you talk a lot about emotional intelligence too, because it's kind of like one of those 
buzzword, so to speak, right? Can you break that down a little bit more? Because I think a lot of salon leaders really shy away from this because maybe fear of digging into the root of maybe some trauma in their own life that they've had that they've never dealt with. And I love that you talked about that because I think the bottom line is whatever you don't work on in your path, in your past, you're going to act out eventually. And so you have to really get deep and get raw. And I've watched a lot of business owners that are super, super successful because they are more transparent. They are more authentic. And I think that's what your daughter is talking about. She wants to be around authentic people, which makes it feel like family, because guess what we are? We're raw with each other and our families, right? And so let's get real with each other, right? So talk a little bit more about that, Stephanie. Sure, absolutely. I, um, you know, I think I spent a lot of my life um, focused on being intelligent, um, just IQ, because it was something that I could control. Um, There were a lot of things in my childhood that I couldn't control. And my intelligence and the way that I fed myself was one thing that I could control. I read a lot. Um, I was a really, really introverted, quiet kid, um, got picked on a lot. And so I would just read my books. Um, and I got really, really, really smart. Um, and I was so proud of that, but nobody cared because I didn't know how to tell them about it. Right. I didn't know how to communicate any information to people, but I had the information in my head. Uh, so it took me a really long time to understand that connecting with people, um, not just spitting information out of them, right? Like I can spit something out of you, but what does that matter? Um, Building a relationship with someone so that when you do have something to say, or you have some guidance to give, or you have some intelligence to share, right? That you have the foundation there to where it's heard. Um, Saying something is one thing, hearing it is totally different. How it's heard is something even more different than that, right? Um, And so it's a very multifaceted uh, process for sure. Um, emotional intelligence, you're right. It is kind of a, a buzzword. Um, and sometimes I compare myself to my peers, my colleagues, and I don't think I have it down pat by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I really love people and I'm really, really brutally honest. Now, whether that makes me emotionally intelligent or not, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what I know is that I have everyone's best intentions at heart. Um, and I think we all deserve to take a pause and make sure that we have that in check, especially as leaders. You know, you want to own a business, you have other people in your charge and it's a hundred percent up to you to make sure that they feel heard, that they feel taken care of and that the information that you're providing to them and the leadership that you're providing to them doesn't fall on deaf ears. Um, so yeah, I think emotional intelligence is a great way for us to communicate our actual intelligence, our IQ, right? But you've got to set the stage for it first. Um, and that's been something I've definitely had to learn through trial and error over time and time and time and time. Um, also my mom happens to be the nicest person on the planet. Um, and so she taught me a lot. My mom never really had a formal education, so IQ wasn't her thing. Um, but you meet my mom and you're instantly her best friend. Uh, so I do think I kind of learned from the best. She was over at my house last night and these, the plumber came and he brought his wife in. Right. And I'm just like in the kitchen, like not talking to anybody. And my mom's like, Oh my God, hello. Like my mom was instantly their best friend. And it really kind of shook me to my core and reminded me that like, 
that's where I get some of the skills that I'm able to use on a daily basis that like my mom didn't really have a lot to share. Um, but what she did have was a lot of love for people and she made sure that they felt comforted and heard. Um, and, and you know what, Tina, like I know how fortunate I am. Not a lot of people have that growing up and they don't have that, that influence or that mentor. Um, so as much as we want mentors to teach us technical skill and as much as we want mentors to teach us how to be smarter or how to be more efficient, we also need mentors to teach us just how to be better people, you know? So yeah. I'm grateful that I have that kind of built in. Yeah, 100%. I love this. Yeah, because EQ does truly trump IQ, period. Sure. I mean, look at John Paul DeJoria. You know, <laughs> he just has the most incredible emotional intelligence. And I know that's why he's so successful. And, and I love what you're talking about because you said you're brutally honest. And I, I want to touch on that a little bit because I do think that's a high... Uh, emotional intelligence, EQ trait, if sure. you will. But what I would flip it on its lid, and I would say that you're a people challenger, not a people pleaser. And I think one of the biggest reasons why a lot of leaders fail uh, with their team members and why their team members leave is because people aren't feeling challenged. They aren't feeling right. heard. You know, like you said, feeling safe, right? You said comfort, it's feeling safe, feeling heard, feeling like they belong, feeling like they matter. And so they're like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to go work by myself. And I don't want to work with anybody because I've had enough of you people, you know? And so we see a rise in these salon suites. But I think it's that challenge of not being able to have the high emotional intelligence, Stephanie, and the fact that we can't have hard conversations, right? Okay. So talk to the leader right now. How can we get better at having the hard conversations? Like you said, being brutally honest, teach us how to be a Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to know that, but I'll answer it. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, it was a, a really well-stated question, Tina. Um, you know, and, and I think getting to the point of being brutally honest, like how do you get there? And I think, I think I've said it a hundred times already today, but um, making sure that the trust and the foundation is built. Um, you can't just go in like a sledgehammer at someone. They have to trust you enough to know that you have their best intentions at heart. Um, and brutally honest doesn't mean aggressive. Um, you know, if you were to ask somebody, like, when you say, when you hear the words brutally honest, what do you think of? And they're like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to hear that. Sounds aggressive. You know, all of those things. That's not what it's about at all. Um, I'm honest with you because first of all, I've asked your permission to be honest with you. Um, I have some things that I think will help you. Is it okay if I share them with you? Uh, might not be exactly what you want to hear today, but I want to share it with you because I care about you. Um, so there's an emotional piece to that and you're, you're laying that softer foundation to be able to give them the coaching that they need to succeed. Um, and so they have to understand that about you and they have to trust you before you can drive in with that delivery. Um, and so, you know, I, I know all of us on this call have had many instances of that in our life and we will continue to, um, but as the salon leader that's delivering the information, it's relationship, relationship, relationship. Um, you know, that's not going to land on them positively and they're not going to enjoy that work environment or enjoy being in your presence. Um, maybe after a statement that was well-intentioned, uh, if the foundation wasn't laid for it first. 
Yeah. And I was, I've been talking to my salon leaders past few, two, three weeks. We've been doing the book Radical Candor. Uh, I believe it's by Susan Scott. So good. They've been getting so much incredible things out of it. And we've been talking about this, but about the fact that people know when you truly care about them and you shouldn't be coaching them if you don't. And so let's talk about that for a moment, you know, uh, coaching somebody that you really don't like, like, first of all, okay, let's, let's talk about that. How are you going to start to like them or release them from your team, you know, so that they can go flourish somewhere else, like you said, because maybe you don't like them because they don't fit your culture, right? Whatever reason, whatever is toxic, uh, but let's help them to, you know, get on another team. So let, let's talk about that too, as well. I mean, because you can't really fake liking somebody. Right. I can't. I think a lot of people can. I know I can't. You'll know immediately if I don't like you. And I really wish I could work on that. Maybe that's my next level. Um, I'm really bad at it though. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good one. My daughter works, my other daughter works at a restaurant and her boss doesn't like her for whatever reason. She just wow. doesn't like her and she's hard on her. Um, do this, do this, do this. And then, you know, she'll say, can I go now? And she said, well, let me inspect it. And she'll go and look and be like, you missed a spot. Like she's hard on her because she doesn't like her. Um, and so Simone, my daughter, she says, it's unfair. And I said, you're absolutely right that it's unfair. It's a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right that it's unfair, but you're probably not going to change her because I mean, what have you done wrong? First of all, right? So we start looking at it and analyzing it, but you might not be able to change the relationship. So from a leadership perspective, <laughs> not liking someone, you know what, Tina, and, and I think that you nailed it. Like, first of all, get to the root of why you don't like them. Yeah. Um, that's huge. There's probably five people in this world I just truly don't like. Uh, there's not a lot of people. I think that everybody has a lot of value. Not mean that I want to like hang out with them or have wine with them, but you know, there's like probably five people I just genuinely don't like. Mm -hmm. But when it comes down to them and I've had the opportunity to maybe work with them or coach their business or something like that, I still want to give them my all. Um, at the end of the day, can you say that you've done everything that you possibly could mm -hmm. to build the relationship? If it needs repairing, repair the relationship, enhance the relationship. And if it still doesn't work to know that you can just say it's not working and let it go. And I mean, the thing about it, Tina, is that people do this every day in their dating lives, right? Like you try and you try and you try and you never want to break up with somebody because you know it's going to hurt and you know you're going to be lonely after it happens, right? So you hang on probably too long. Mm -hmm. um, somebody listening to this understands that statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, you know, we all hang on a little too long, even though it's toxic for both of us. And then when you let go of each other and you both start living your genuine, authentic lives that you're supposed to live in these cultural bubbles that are fitting for both of you, you thrive, right? Yeah. But I think it's okay to say after you've evaluated and made sure that you've done all that you could do to say, I don't know that this is working for either of us and I don't want to leave on bad terms. So the best thing I can do is wish you well. Um, but I would say salon leaders, any sort of leader is afraid of maybe losing the talent, losing the money, having a gap to fill. So you feel kind of chained or imprisoned by this team member. 
Um, and so I think getting to the root of that fear is extremely important and critical for salon leaders as well. Wow. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Chido, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today and be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com. Mm-hmm.